0: Welcome to Immigrants Journeys. Imagine leaving your home country to settle in a foreign land. What would that feel like? How would you make the transition, and how might that experience change you? I'm your host, Santiago. Being the son of immigrants presented me with some challenges, but also gave me incredible perspective. In this podcast, people from all over the world share their stories and opinions related to their immigrant journeys. Listen to find out what challenges they overcame and how they made the transition. To learn more about this podcast, visit www.immigrantsjourneys.fm. In this episode, just after high school, Patrick embarks on a journey from his homeland of Sweden that takes him across Europe. First to Cyprus, then Greece, then Ireland, then finally to the United States. Patrick shares his experiences of what it was like as an immigrant in each of those countries and looks back on his Swedish heritage. Now living in the United States, Hear how Patrick interacts with his wife, who is American, and his children. This episode contains snippets in Swedish. I'm curious to hear your reaction to multilingual content and how I might be able to improve this podcast. I encourage you to reach out with your comments and feedback. When I asked Patrick for some of his favorite Swedish music, I didn't know what to expect. In this intro music from Snoke, I was transported to long Swedish summer days full of energy and excitement. Let's listen to Patrick's immigrant journey. Hey hey Patrick.
1: Hey hey Santiago, vad
0: Nice to be on your show. Pronounce your name because it's not a K on the end, right? Patrick.
1: That's right. My my parents forgot the K at the end. In Swedish, it's actually Patrick, but given that it's a pretty common name in English, I always go by Patrick. I do occasionally get people reading emails calling me Patrice and all those things, and that's inaccurate. So it's it's Patrick.
0: Patrick is not only an immigrant, but grew up with an immigrant father, born and raised in Sweden. My mom is as Swedish as they come, you know, Viking
1: ancestry. But my dad was born in Germany and then moved post-war when he was like 5, 6, he came to Sweden, which is funny because when he speaks Swedish,
0: you can't tell. But when he speaks English, all of a sudden he sounds like a German. Growing up with immigrant parents myself, I was curious what Patrick took away from that experience. I think
1: my dad, because he moved to Sweden as a like 5, 6-year-old. He always felt like an outsider. So he didn't feel like a Swede because they spoke German at home and it was post-war and he was German. And so there was kind of this stigma around that, I think. And so he wanted to make sure that I didn't feel that way. And so he didn't speak German to us, which now I'm like upset about. I'm like, come on, man. Like I could have
0: gotten a language. uh, I used to say for free, but then I realized it's actually a lot of work as a parent to keep it up. Patrick's wish that his father would have spoken to him in German growing up has carried forward into how he speaks to his children today.
1: I try and learn from my own growing up. I do only speak Swedish to my kids. I try and have them connected still to Sweden because I think they're great ambassadors, right? They think really highly love it. Obviously, we just go in the summer where everyone's off. We just have fun. So their picture of Sweden is probably a little bit skewed. But, you know, they become good ambassadors for where they are. And hopefully it cascades into them representing it well and creating bridges as well.
0: If you've been exposed to different cultures, you might notice how certain things from your native culture might seem a bit strange. Patrick shares a story of something that's quite normal in Sweden, but he now appreciates how non-Swedes might find it a bit odd.
1: When you grow up somewhere, you think that's the norm, right? Like you don't know what's odd and what's not. I think it was a vital trend. Just last summer called Sweden gate. So if you look up hashtag Sweden gate, it's really odd in Sweden. And this is true. I remember as a kid, if you're at a friend's house playing five o'clock rolls around and he's like, oh, I'm going to eat with my family now. Bye. And kind of leaves you in the room while they go eat at dinner. And so to me, that was normal, right? Like I'm like, oh, great. I have, you know, 10 minutes, half an hour to look around in the room and play the video games or whatever. But looking back now, I realize like, wow, that's a cultural thing that's particular to Sweden. Other countries be like, what, why? That's really weird. Here, if, if a friend is over, you would usually say, hey, do you wanna come eat dinner with my family? Do you wanna be a part of our dinner? you are like, hey, you can wait in my room. I'm gonna go eat with my family. So you're not really invited, at least back
0: then. I don't know how it is now. That's interesting. So if you had guests over, they had to entertain themselves while you ate with your family.
1: Yeah, exactly. If I compared to the U.S. or Greece, you would never not invite someone to have food. It'd be kind of rude, almost if they were like, no, no, I don't want your food. Like, I'm going to
0: stay here in your room today myself. Patrick's immigrant journey was anything but direct. I wondered what prompted him to leave his homeland. Here, I feel like you finish high
1: school, a lot of people then go on to college like right away and all that. I think it's more common in Europe and Sweden in particular that you maybe take a year or two to kind of figure out what it is you actually want to do. When I was 19, 20, I left for Greece to volunteer. I was there for two years volunteering, which was great. And I think that really opened my mind. All of a sudden I realized like, oh, there are different ways of doing things. And that actually triggered my kind of appetite to go see more of the world and learn how the world works and
0: engage with different kinds of people.
1: I really enjoyed that experience.
0: In case you're not familiar, Swedish and Greek aren't exactly similar languages. Prior to leaving Sweden, Patrick didn't know any Greek. Language is a common barrier to many who move to another country. How did Patrick overcome this challenge? Ah, uh, yeah. So I, I learned it quite well, I'd say.
1: I started off in Cyprus, which is not a part of Greece; it's its own country, but they do speak Greek, kind of with a heavy accent. And so I started there, and then when I moved to Greece, they thought I spoke really funny because I had this foreign. Cypriot accent. When we learn a language, everything's very literal, right? Like everything is very kind of a face value,
0: the vocabulary. You might get some grammar wrong, but that's okay. Learning languages is difficult for some, particularly idioms or figures of speech. Patrick shares an example of misinterpreting a common everyday expression.
1: In English, you say, you know, like, oh, I, I'm going here, you know, like, it's great. You know, in Greece, they say, you understand, like, did you understand kind of as a question mark? In the beginning, I was kind of conscious and maybe insecure about my language skills. People would always say something and then say, oh, do you understand? And uh, after a while, I blew up at this guy. He said, like, all right, let's go eat here. Do you, did you understand? And I'm like, yes, of course I understand. I speak your language. Can't you hear it? And he just looked at me like I was so stupid. Like, what are you talking about? Why are you so angry? Because I hadn't gotten to that nuance part where I figured out what things actually mean versus what's being said. I had a couple of those experiences that, that were eye opening. My mom came to see me after like two years and she's like, wow, you, not just the language, but I adopted their ways, right? Which is very different from Northern Europe. For instance, when you talk, you
0: might be up in someone's face, speaking pretty loud. Doesn't mean you're angry or rude. That's just, that's how you talk and what you do. What were some things as a Swede going to a foreign land, going to Greece, that really struck you as being very different, like culture shock?
1: It's just the directness. In Sweden, you're kind of non-confrontational. If someone does something you don't like, you leave a note for them that's kind of passive aggressive, like, hey, please don't leave trash in the hallway. You don't confront them and tell them like, hey, stop doing this, this is bothering me. Southern Europe is very much, you just speak your mind. Like if someone thinks you're fat, they'll say, hey, you've gotten fat lately, what's going on? It's very direct. After a few months, I was on a bus, and the guy next to me started like, hey, it stinks on here. Open the window. And someone behind him is like, no, don't open the window. It'll ruin the AC. Yeah, people are just a lot more open in terms of what they think and what they want. That was very much of a cultural thing that I had to kind of adapt to.
0: Did you find that the culture was was welcoming of people from different countries?
1: Yes, I would say so. I think every country has their own form of racism and Maybe against a particular set of people, but in Greece, the name for stranger and guest is the same. I remember walking down the street and some group of people would have a barbecue and be like, hey, we've seen you around. Come join us. Well, that would never, ever happen in Northern Europe or Scandinavia in particular. You grow up with your set of elementary school friends, you stay close together. It's very hard to integrate into, I think, as a foreigner into Sweden. while these Mediterranean countries are a lot more kind of opening, warm, welcome. They would never leave you in your room alone, like if they're having dinner. The opposite, like they'll try and stuff you as much as possible. I really enjoyed going somewhere and if you wanted to be able to like integrate, assimilate. Learn about their culture. They're very proud people, very very proud. There was always this thing of like, "Hey, say a word. I'll promise you, it's Greek." You know?
0: Did this period of time after high school, being in Greece for two years, did that prompt like a wanderlust or something to travel and experience different cultures?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it it opened my mind to one, there is other things out there, and then secondly, maybe more important is like, I'm really good. And enjoy assimilating. I think I mentioned my mom came see me. I was like, "Wow, you're like a chameleon. Like all of a sudden, you walk like them, you talk like them." So I really enjoyed learning and seeing how things are done differently. Because when you grow up in something, it's like a little bubble, right? Like that's the way to do it. That's the only way. Anything else is not right. And then you go somewhere and be like, "Okay, actually, this works too in its own way." As an example, in Northern Europe, if you look at clocks everywhere, they're like synchronized. Like The second, almost everything works a certain way. Then you go to Southern Europe, and it's like, well, the bus comes once an hour. Well, one, you know, once an hour. And at first, I was horrified, like, what? That's so inefficient. That's not right. But what is right? If that's the culture and everybody accepts that you're 15 minutes late or 20 minutes late because that's just how it works, then that works too, and that's okay. Um, It opened my eyes. There's more than one way of doing things. They all have myths and pros.
0: Having lived in different countries, I find myself wanting different aspects from different cultures in my life. It turns out Patrick shares this experience.
1: You're never going to find the one place that has it all right. And I think that's in some ways hard because as you move around, you want the best from every place, but you can't have it all together at once. I feel like I've grown and learned from seeing these things. It's also then like, oh, but i I want the yeah, hospitality of Greece, but then I want things to actually function like in Sweden, and I want the American adventureness. and like, yeah, it's all to to have it all.
0: It's almost like you want life to be. Like a smorgasbord, right? Just yeah, go ahead and yeah, yeah, yeah. Swedish choose. word.
1: Look at that. That's actually like there you one <laughs> like gift that Sweden has to the English language: smorgasbord. But
0: yeah, tell me about after Greece. Your two years there, kind of trying to find yourself. Yeah, was coming to an end. What prompted you to open a new chapter in your life?
1: Coming into early twenties, and it's like, okay, it's time to sort out my life. What do I want to? be what i want to do now it's kind of on my list of like okay i actually do enjoy abroad that's my my goal not necessarily like i'm gonna go abroad forever and stay there but like at some point i want to live and work abroad that was my part of my five-year plan finish school go abroad and test it out i started studying engineering i have a master's in civil engineering At the same time, I also did business because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I wanted to keep all doors open as much as possible. So I I was accepted into two different universities and I would run in between classes because I couldn't make up my mind fully. During this time, we actually went on vacation with some friends to the U.S. where I met Rima, which is now my wife. And we just really, really like hit it off. Like I found my best friend. We started dating. I don't think it was decided like, oh, I'm going to go to the US. Being abroad and then meeting someone abroad was extra intriguing. Someone brought a different perspective, etc. Towards the end of my schooling, like university years, we had a long distance relationship. If anyone's done it, they know that it, it sucks. It's not fun. We got married. She moved to Sweden towards the end of my school. And that opened up a new chapter in my life, like married life. And then on top of that, being married to an immigrant into your own country, it opens up your mind. She pointed out all the things that's weird, right? I think it's known that anytime time you move somewhere, the first few months is like a honeymoon phase, and we were also married, so it was great. But she moved in like July. So come September, October, November, I mean, Sweden's on the like latitude of Alaska pretty much, right? Like it gets very dark, gets very cold. She's from Phoenix, Arizona, where it's like sunny all the time. After like three months, it got really hard for her to integrate. And she pointed out all the things that were wrong with Sweden and wanted to go back. Essentially, I was determined to finish my school, at least. I'm like, I have to finish my school. It'll open doors. She started pointing out all these things with my own culture, which in the beginning, I was very defensive, right? If someone starts almost like attacking you, your defense walls go up and you just, you won't hear it. You attack back instead, like this creates frustration. It took me a couple of years to just acknowledge what someone was feeling and say, yeah, I understand. Like it it can't be easy. And just that all of a sudden like opens up the conversation so much more for both people.
0: When Patrick completed his university studies, He and his wife were ready to leave Sweden and continue their lives abroad, but they didn't return to his wife's country of origin.
1: By luck, in some sense, I got a role in Dublin, Ireland for Google, which I figured, well, it's an international company. It will open even more doors. They have offices everywhere. Uh, It's a good employer. And Ireland is kind of like Anglo-Saxon, right? Like it has maybe more in common with the U.S., but it's still Europe. So it was a good stepping stone. So we moved to Ireland just as our first kid was born.
0: How was it being a Swede in Ireland?
1: It was definitely more similar to what I was used to. The difference between Northern and Southern Europe is a lot bigger, I think, versus like Northern and Western, like Anglo-Saxon Europe. Going to Ireland though was interesting. I felt like it was going back in time 20 years. Things were a little bit slower, the mindset and laws, things were just a lot slower. It felt like things hadn't been updated in the past like two, three decades. We loved it. People are super nice in Ireland. It's so beautiful. The weather is not at all as bad as people claim, or it has a pretty bad rep for raining all the time. In comparison to Sweden, it was actually a lot better. I think it rains like on the west coast towards the Atlantic. It rains three times as much as it does in like Dublin, on the east coast of Ireland. Also, it's almost like a hub for a lot of these big corporations. Especially within tech, like all the Microsoft and LinkedIn and Google and Facebook, all these have these big headquarters in Europe, in Ireland. Going to the office, you would find like Spanish people, Italian people, Greek people, like everywhere. We really enjoyed Ireland. We love going to the countryside and just drive around, look at the beautiful scenery. I laugh because they would have these like gravel country roads and the speed limit would be impossible to reach. It was almost like, hey, can you get up to this speed or not? It was way higher than anyone could ever go. Um, We really enjoyed Ireland. I also got lucky because my best friend from childhood, he moved there as well. So we had some friends right away that we knew from back home. It was a great time. I think we were there two, two and a half years.
0: What prompted that? transition was it like a visa thing where you had to leave or did you just decide you wanted to go somewhere else
1: i think we felt we were ready for something else it's quite common you go there to get a foot in the door with a big company and then you get promoted and then like okay now now what i i remember starting i think it was my first day like i got into google and people started asking like so what are you going to do next and it's like i don't know this was my goal to even come in but people are always thinking about like the next thing it's like, this was my goal. After, after two and a half years, we felt done. I've seen a couple of people like come and then leave. And so you start feeling old. The nice thing was like, because I was working still towards my home market, I got to go home every quarter back to Sweden. And so my wife would, would come with me. And I think it's funny because towards the end of her stay in Sweden, she actually loved it. Now she's the one who's like, pushes us to go back to Sweden more than I am because she really started to appreciate the things that Sweden do offer. And I think that came with both time, but also as we started having kids, Sweden's very good at making it easy to have kids. There's walk paths everywhere. It's just more centered and geared toward making it easy to have kids. There's a lot of things just in the society is built to making it easy to have kids.
0: After about two and a half years in Ireland, Patrick and his wife were ready to move on.
1: Both of us was actually looking at Australia but for visa reasons, it was actually hard to get it at that time. I think there's some kind of pause or they only quoted in a certain amount of people. So after a while, I kind of gave up on, on that thread and was like, okay, let's do US. We started working on my green card. So that was a nice thing. I could get a visa through my wife because she is American versus a lot of other people I had to get on work visas. And then ended up finding a good position that suited me really well in California. While I was in Dublin, I did a lot of sales. But given I have an engineering background, I kind of wanted to be somewhere somewhere in between. I ended up working as a program manager for one of our uh, products within Google.
0: I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, and I'm trying to think, all right, so Swedish background. You had this exposure in Greece. Then you had this exposure in Ireland. Now you come to the United States, specifically to California. I would think there must be some things that even then with your background struck you as just being bizarre. So what were some <laughs> cultural shocks that you experienced in the United States? For sure. My lens is like, oh, us
1: is all the same. And then you move and you're like, okay, even though they have the same chains, like those or home depot wherever, there's still a different mentality. And I don't think I, I grasped fully like california has maybe its own thing versus like yeah now we're in florida which is its its own thing but yes there was definitely a few like culture shocks even though i've been married to an american for a while that once i actually moved i'm like oh okay like for instance i remember because i don't have a super thick accent i think people expected me to know more than i did i remember right away when we moved i went into the the postal office for something and she asked for my zip code. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I have one. And she looks at me like, what are you talking about? I was like, I have a postal code. And she's like, like are you trying to be funny? Like, you're annoying me. And to me, I'm like, I genuinely didn't know that it's essentially the same thing. And so there's a lot of these like nuances that I, I just didn't know. And I think people expected me to know. Another thing that I remember is tipping culture. I had not really experienced it prior to me it's weird like in sweden yeah maybe you round up a few cents but here it's like no no like you know 10 15 20 25 minimum i still have a hard time with it i remember in the beginning i got a haircut and i asked the lady at the counter i'm like am i am i expected to tip like i, I don't know and I, I swear like six other hairdressers turned around with their scissors in their hand like ready to cut me and they were like yes you're supposed to tip. <laughs> we strongly suggest that you tip. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, I got it, got it." And so there's a lot of these encounters where I just I'm a foreigner. I don't know, but I think they expected me to know a lot of these things.
0: That's hilarious. Yeah, the tipping thing is definitely different. I remember when I was in Europe, I left some extra money on the table and the the waiter followed me out the door to give it to me because he thought I forgot it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's just not.
1: It's just not. If you do it, it's nice, and you let them know, but and you round up maybe. But it's not this like unwritten rule that like of course you do.
0: Yeah, it's more like you know I'm giving you this uh, tip because I don't want to carry the coins in my pocket,
1: right? (laughs) On the good side, like I I do really appreciate. I feel like Americans they work really hard. It's a saying that like Americans they live to work, and Europeans like work to actually live. Which is true, when I came and I was surprised how people like, they would eat their lunches at their desks and not take breaks. And it's like, I was like, come on guys, Like let's let's uh, hang out a little bit. In Sweden, we had mandatory breaks called a fika, which essentially means like, sit down and have a coffee and like a cinnamon bun and you just kind of chit chat for 10, 15 minutes. Those were mandatory. You had to disconnect from work, come and sit down for 10, 15 minutes, connect with your team and then go back. I think as an American, that might sound odd. I do think that actually does help even productivity and well-being and all these things quite a bit because it forces people to actually connect to each other and you have this informal way of communication. You might share best practices or tips or just like knowing more about like, oh, actually my coworker Santiago has kids and do all these things. And creates a better environment. This concept of FIKA, I actually really enjoy, which is obviously hard to implement or do when you're a remote worker, but it's not a bad thing to take 10, 15 minutes, just chit-chat, have a coffee, uh, get away from your screen for a few minutes. But on the other side, Americans work hard, but they also play hard. Like On the weekends, I feel like it's very common that you go hiking, you go do a lot of things. Where I'm from it's more common they're like, yeah, you might go on a little walk, but it's not as everybody has four wheelers. Also, I feel like Americans are very polite and helpful. If someone's struggling with a bag or something, like my wife flies by herself with a bag, people would be right away, hey, let me help you and all these things. And she struggled with that in Sweden where it's more like each to their own kind of thing.
0: In moving to the United States, did you find that you understood your wife a little bit better in terms of some of her quirks?
1: Yes, yes, definitely. And I understood the things she struggled with when she moved to Sweden because I did see that, oh yeah, it's actually nice when people offer to help you or like go in front of the line because you just has one item versus waiting an extra 10 minutes on the person. I think on both our ends, it was super good for her to understand me, where I come from, what's me versus what's my family versus what's Swedish. And for me now moving to the US to see, okay, this is a cultural thing. And I actually really like this aspect. I think if it's a possibility, you should definitely live where both people are from to understand each other and take the best from both worlds. You can visit it all you want, but unless you actually live there and part of the system and like now I get why people are frustrated waiting at the DMV or whatever it is, like it's hard to fully grasp the nuances of of a
0: place. Yeah, I agree. I know one of my big frustrations when I lived in Germany was going food shopping. Because when I was there many years ago, they had regulated hours. I was in school and I would just hustle to try to get to the grocery store. And you were fighting with everybody trying to like get into the grocery store door. And I'm like, oh man, in the U.S., like you could go to the store at any time. You know?
1: Yeah. You walk into a store here in the U.S., they're like, can I help you with something? And then you walk like another aisle and someone else is like, hey, can I help you with something? They're very on top of you while... Uh, in Europe, and it, particularly in Greece, I felt like you walk into a store and they're a little bit like, ah, "What? yes, what do you want? Like, why are you in my store? Now I have to work. And so it's definitely like a different mindset in terms of customer service.
0: Obviously, it sounds like you've got a knack with, with language. You picked up Greek pretty quickly within two years. Did you already speak English? Well, you must have because you lived in Ireland.
1: Yeah, exactly. Every time you go abroad, I think you're automatically going to start learning English even going to Sweden to Greece, like English becomes the common language, right? The thing is though, you learn it from other foreigners. So your English maybe doesn't sound like the native English, but it does expose you to different vocabulary and all these things. I've only spoken English with my wife. Essentially, she does speak Swedish, which is also fantastic because now once we have kids, I can speak Swedish to my kids and not exclude her. She knows what's going on Kids know to only speak to me in Swedish. I think I spoke to them in English once and they looked at me like, what are you, what? No, what are you doing? Stop. They got like upset with me for speaking English to them. I spoke English fairly well. The time I grew up in Sweden, you consumed a lot of US pop culture and movies. So I think you think that you know English because you passively consume it a lot. So you know, maybe a lot of words, but it's one, a different thing to speak it. Two, you don't understand the weight behind all the words. Even now, sometimes I'll swear in English because to me, it doesn't mean anything. Like I've heard it in movies so much. It doesn't mean anything. Well, to my wife, she gets very uncomfortable and doesn't like it because to her it means something. It's a hard habit to get rid of. and She'll say, hey, it'll be like me saying this in Swedish. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no, don't say that. That's horrible. And so, uh, yes, there's, there's still kind of like... Even though I speak English well, there are still things that that doesn't mean the same to me as it does to her.
0: Talk to me about your perception or perspective on accents.
1: Initially, I really didn't want an accent. I was like, I want to be able to sound native. That's a sign of like, you've integrated, you're one of them. And then I came to the US and started working and I realized like everybody has an accent and that's okay in sweden if you have an accent like yeah sure if it's like west coast versus east coast sweden that's okay but if you have like a oh you're an immigrant you're automatically like hey this person is an immigrant i think there's some assumptions about them not being able to participate as equally well if they have like I have any accent. I think that that was my mindset of like I really need to get rid of my accent because I don't want anyone to know that I'm an immigrant necessarily. Then I come and I realized I work with very impressive people and most of them have some heavy accents. I work with a lot of people from India and China and Vietnam and like Europe and France and it's okay. I love that about the US, it is this melting pot. It doesn't matter where you're from, what matters is that you're here now, do you do a good job, all these things. I kind of shifted from Thinking about it, worrying about it, being conscious about it to like, I don't care. Sometimes I almost want to have an accent again to show that like, hey, I'm not from here. Give me a little bit of a break because I don't know exactly how things work. It's so far from a sign of uh, your intelligence or what you know or capable of.
0: Some people are very self-conscious about it. What I think is interesting to hear you say and I've heard other people say is that in a professional setting, it doesn't matter. It really matters more about your knowledge. There's also written communication. There's other avenues that people can use in order to express themselves. And I think a lot of people might be self-conscious about it that probably don't need to be.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's okay to have an accent more in the US. I I remember when my wife moved to Sweden, tried to learn Swedish. She'd say a few words and people would just switch to English because they heard she was American and so it was really hard for it to practice it because people would just be like why bother i speak english better let's just speak english and also on top of that people like to practice it when they do get a chance but then the flip coin is people are upset that people don't learn swedish and integrate fully when they don't make it that easy it's the same in greece i noticed if they heard that you were from us or even to me as a swede they would start speaking english to me because they wanted to practice it and so it made it almost hard to practice because you can't take it personally, but they're like, eh, it's easier to speak English. While here in the U.S., it's hard to jump to another language because English is so universal.
0: Right. Although Patrick knew the language and had an American life, surely there must have been some struggles.
1: Yes, for sure. And I think that's anyone who want to move somewhere. I think one, what surprised me is how decentralized things are. Purely from a practical perspective, I feel like you have to fill out so much paperwork wherever you go. No authority fully speaks to another. A lot of things are still done through, like you have to sign this paper by hand versus just doing it online. In Sweden, you have this like personal number, everything is tied to it. You can do everything online. Like taxes, they do it for you and they send it to you and say, hey, does this look good? And then you can adjust it depending on your nuances. You can do it even with a phone number, you can just say yes and done. Well, you know, US doing your taxes, it's so much more work and complicated that's one country but each state is really its own state they have their own rules and laws and culture and all these things i didn't realize how individual each state is that was also something that surprised me what i kind of struggled with in the beginning too is i think i understood americans because i've seen it on tv and my wife is american and i come and the mindset is just very very different in sweden it's like if you do something you throw trash at the ground someone will say like hey what if everybody did that in the US, I don't feel like the mentality is like, hey, what if everybody did what I did with that work? It's a more individualistic, hey, what's good for me to some extent. It's less collective thinking and a little bit more individualistic thinking. Which, again, drives a lot of innovation and all these things. Good or bad, it's not for me to judge. I'm just saying it's a different mindset. That said, the most right. nicest and generous people I've met have been in the U.S. versus Sweden, too. At an individual level, if we're friends or family or a neighbor, like, yeah, you go much further to help each other out. While well, in Sweden, it's like, hey, I pay my taxes. We as a collective, let's do what's kind of best for everybody as a, as a whole. That like mindset and shifts uh, took a while to accept and then actually see the benefits of it for me. More observations. I noticed in the US, everything is just more extreme, like everything, like sizes, you get a large drink. It's huge. While in Sweden, you know, a large would be an equivalent of a small here. Everything is huge. Cars, roads, houses, everything is just big. I had a, a friend over the other day from, or it was a couple, one from Sweden, one from Finland, and they kind of walk around in the house and be like, this is really big, but in a negative way, as in like, you don't need all this space. Why do you have it? That's not necessary. Kind of like that. What if everybody had this big? It wouldn't be good. Everything is just more extreme in the US. On the political spectrum, if you read things, it's either very left or very right, and there's less, Hey, let's find the common ground in the middle. Wealth, you we have these extremely wealth creating companies and people are super wealthy and poverty where i come from it's a little bit more like equal yeah if you're a ceo of a big company you'll make more but not necessarily like 20 50 100 200 times more the average worker the extremes is very interesting if you go to venice beach you'll see people that are so fit it's hard to find in sweden people who go to that extent to be so extreme it's interesting and inspiring to see these people it's just in Sweden, it's a little bit more of the, s- the same, like conformity is bigger. There are these trends that everybody just latches onto. For instance, a few years back, Paddle, it's this like version of tennis meets racquetball meets pickleball kind of thing. And everybody will do it because everybody do more of the same or clothing trends, etc. While here, it's much more, you do your own thing and you usually take it to the like, extreme levels. Yeah.
0: What are some either tools or techniques that you found helped you in these transitions, transitioning to Greece, transitioning to Ireland, transitioning to the United States? Was there anything specific or or mindset that you had that helped?
1: Not to assume that your way of looking at it is the right way, but to say, hey, people have been doing this forever here. Maybe there's something I can learn. Take that open mind and say, hey, what... What can i learn from this and they might be doing something that i don't necessarily think it's the right way but are there good things that i can take from this and always be curious i think secondly it's always nice to talk to people in the same boat to find people like okay i'm not crazy for thinking this is weird other people where i come from think the same way And then, you know, you can kind of like whine and complain about it, but don't get stuck there. Like have somewhere to vent and then move on. But it is helpful sometimes to meet up with people like, okay, you get it. Yes, yes, okay. But let's take it for and move on. I think if you're the only one feeling a certain way and you don't think anyone else does, it can be hard and frustrating. So finding some people to talk to, open up with, connect with, but not get stuck in a whiny phase, but move on. It's definitely very mm-hmm. helpful
0: when i lived abroad there are certain things that i missed from my home country so i asked patrick how he combats homesickness
1: if i'm really homesick i just go to ikea and honestly it fulfills that need quite well i get some candy i see some words that goes a long way i actually have an app on my phone so when i drive the car i plug it in so it turns on swedish radio Even like ads in Swedish is kind of like nice to hear.
0: What is it that you think you have to offer or to teach others based on your experience?
1: I think it's it's bringing these mindsets of other people, how things are working somewhere else to the table. And you have to be really careful, right? Because people easily get into defensive mode if you say, yes, but have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? I think it's really important to find a common ground first and try and be the person to create bridges between mindsets and people and what they do and what they don't know. In the US, that's an amazing thing. If you ask anyone, everybody have amazing stories to tell, but sometimes you just gotta be willing to hear them and then also help them connected to even more.
0: What's some of your favorite Swedish food?
1: Swedish cuisine is not like something to brag about, I will say. My wife has some roots from Lebanon. I do prefer that cuisine, but when I am home, my family has this land that they go hunt moose in during certain seasons of the year. My favorite is moose, meatball with some mashed potatoes, some brown sauce, some lingonberries, because I don't get that here very often. So that I do miss and I really enjoy or a good stew with some moose bones and meats as a base. So that I miss.
0: If you were to pick one song that brings back really good memories of your time in Sweden, what would that song be?
1: Sweden produces a lot of good music. I think at a point it was, like even by volume-wise, the third largest exporter of music. There's a lot of good... Good music, yeah. People like Max Martin and all these things producing for Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys, and like it, it's 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 big. In particular, I listened to a song. It's from Snoke, is the band. It was two guys. It's called Soapbublar, or Mr. Cool is another good Swedish song. They kind of rap in Swedish, which reminds me about when I was like 19, just before I left for Greece. It's just more about the memories it triggers from my time in Sweden, more than the lyrics itself.
0: If you had a time machine and you could go back in time to a younger version of yourself what would you tell him and when in your life i came back
1: from greece and i was like shoot i got to figure out my life you know like young 20s i think just the notion of hey you're gonna be okay you're gonna have meet a great woman you're gonna have a nice family a good life don't stress too much about it you know like in, enjoy the moment I think that time, a lot of things are going on. It kind of shapes a lot of the rest of your life, right? Like who you meet, where you study, where you work, where you move. I think I was quite worried at that time. So let's go back to the time and tell my younger Patrick, look, it's going to be okay. Yes, work hard, do all those things, but it's going to be okay. And try and enjoy a little bit of the moment instead of just trying to tick all these boxes and kind of move on as quick as you can.
0: I asked Patrick to summarize in Swedish.
1: Tidsmaskin, så skulle jag åka tillbaka till min 20-åriga Patrik, säga hej, vad händer, hur mår du? Det kommer bli okej, okay. ta det lugnt. Jobba hårt, men, men stressa inte över det. Du kommer ha en fin familj, du kommer ha en bra karriär, du kommer vara nöjd. Eh, du kommer ha ett ganska bra liv, än så länge i alla fall. Jag är bara eh, vet, av 30, men det kommer bli okej. Okay. Eh, njut av livet. Ha lite kul. Eh,
0: Later in the conversation, upon further reflection, Patrick offers another insight that he gained when he went back to his home country of Sweden after having spent about two years in Greece.
1: After I came back from Greece, I was studying in Sweden, had a part-time job. At nights, I would call people, a cold call essentially, and be like, hey, you're a customer of ours, why don't you sit down with our advisor and do these things. After my time abroad, I developed a pretty good skill to talk to people and get them to say yes to this consultation. So we were in a room and every time someone booked someone, they put like a line. And I did really well in my group. And then one day my boss calls me in and was like, hey, you're doing really well in booking times. So and I was like, yeah. And she's like, why? It's like, stop. You're making other people look bad. I was just shocked. I thought that was my job. And it was like, yeah, but you know. Take it easy. I'm generalizing, but there's not this sense of like, let's achieve at the top and move on and win and get promoted and all these things. It's just more of like, yeah, it's a job, but, you know, does it really matter that much? Whilst in the U.S., you know, here I'm at a level and I get a rating like every X quarters and it's very much like set up as something to climb. Whether or not that's good or bad, yeah, it depends on what you value. It's very stark contrasts between the mindsets of high performing and getting all these things and getting rewards for it, whilst otherwise it's like, well, you're going to get this much race no matter what next year kind of thing.
0: And do you think this experience of living in another country from where you were born and grew up, do you think it's backwards compatible, in other words? Do you see yourself going back to Sweden and kind of living a, air quote, normal life?
1: I think to tie up where we started, like you'll never fully move somewhere and be fully satisfied anymore. Like you will always be like, ah, but I don't like this anymore. Like now I've seen the other side and I actually, I want my January to be, you know, 22 degrees and sun. Whatever it is, you're always going to be a little bit like torn. Especially then adding the dimension of, yeah, we are from two different places, me and my wife. So it's never fully going to be home. I have had friends who moved abroad to Germany or whatever, worked for a couple of years. And in the beginning, when they moved back to Sweden, they were very uh, different. Like It opened up a different side of them. They were more talkative and festive. As the years go by, yeah, they very much assimilate back to the old ways where you just hang out with your little group. I think you quickly, from what I've seen from the side, do kind of assimilate back into your old ways if you move back home. For us, I've learned to never say never. I never thought I'd go to Greece, I never thought I'd go to Ireland, I never thought I'd go to California. You never know. And whatever you think you know, like it's not going to happen, so who knows. I do think if I do move back, I will always miss a lot of aspects. Mm-hmm. the we haven't talked about as the people back home right it gets harder as your parents get older they're expressing like hey we're going to be the ones to take care of it you're just gone and it's hard right it's it's uh, emotionally hard to be away that much luckily we have video and it's easier to stay connected but it's it's definitely the downside of, of being gone
0: if you were to go back to sweden with this knowledge what can you share with those closest to you in sweden as far as what you've learned from this experience of living somewhere else?
1: Well, one, I think whatever opinion people have of another place, it's always going to be extremely colored by the lens they see it, right? So people in Sweden love to have opinions about American politics. Like during elections, you'll see more news about that than, than domestic things going on. And I didn't realize those opinions that you form is only through the lens of whatever media you're consuming. and those are usually like from one angle. And so to be kind of humble about, you don't always know the other side of the coin. Like, yes, this and this might be true, but there's also this other side that you don't know or understand unless you know the like pain of these other things. And so to kind of like be humble about whatever opinions you have or why certain countries do things a certain way, Is definitely something I would keep reminding people around me about. Not not like I know better than you, more of like we both don't know fully the full context of what's going on. I think one, like not be afraid of the outside world. I'm going to push my kids, say I moved back, I would push them to like go abroad, go see the world, experience as much as you can. And the same thing to friends and family around me.
0: And could you paraphrase that in Swedish, please?
1: Om jag flyttade hem så skulle jag vara väldigt positiv för folk att flytta utomlands själva. Försöka få dem att förstå att nyheterna och deras åsikter som de har kring ett visst ämne är formade via en viss lins. Och det finns ofta väldigt mycket mer till historien som man kanske inte ser när man bara pratar med en viss typ av person eller vissa nyheter eller vissa kanaler. Ja, så att man ska alltid vara ödmjuk uh, för det man inte vet.
0: Do you feel settled? Do you think you're going to move on to another part of the world?
1: Uh, mentally, I, I try and have a five-year plan. I think the next five years, because we've moved around a lot, I think the next five years is just like one place. Settle some roots, let the kids go to school in one place and test it out. We really enjoy where we are much more than we thought. We... We have friends from Sweden around, we're getting integrated into the neighborhood. How this life where you actually stay in one place for more than like two years, but beyond five years, no one knows.
0: Well, it has been a pleasure, Patrick. Yep. And I appreciate the time.
1: I, it's been a pleasure to talk. Thanks Santiago, keep it up. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's been a pleasure.
0: As I reflect on my conversation with Patrick, I realized some of the similarities with my life. My parents strong desire to travel and experience living in another country, imparting another language onto my kids. Even though our backgrounds are different, our paths share some common elements. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. To learn more about this podcast, visit www.immigrantsjourneys.fm. I'll leave you with some of Patrick's favorite song from Swedish band Snoop, Mr. Fool.
1: Det is är Sagan om Cool as a cat, and he's a long-legged falcon. This is the story of a kid who gave it all up and talked about it all. He's I the check-in a stick. He's drunk. He's drunk. He's drunk. He's drunk. He's drunk. He's drunk.
0: De var lika data Så visst han söker skit Ni vet hur Stockholm är Så en dag
1: ner på stan När han kollade rea Kommer crewen och skrek typ Kollade rea Och nu börjar en jack De var fuktig
0: styck Under en trapp av Ramos var hack i hän Men han var satt för det var cool Han var jack i kärn Så bara duckade kulen med kuldbytter In på Olén så en trapp till taket Ryggen mot supet och alla runt sig Så han packa bak